I've been asked to speak this evening about um, renewing our minds, how we can renew our minds as Christians. And so we're going to be looking this evening about that topic. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm aware of like phrases or language we might use like in Christian circles or inside the church that probably seem like really weird when you say it outside of the walls of the church. And I think possibly this might be one of those phrases, renewing our minds. We've just been away with some friends and we were trying to get away um, from their house at like 4pm so we could drive back and I could, I could get here in time. And um, I had like been trying... Th- they're not Christians. I've been like trying not to give away that I was speaking in church. And eventually it came out and they were like, oh, cool, what are you speaking on? And I said, oh, renewing our minds. And they were like, what? And then they asked to like hear a bit of a preamble of the talk and they looked incredibly perplexed and a bit weirded out. But whilst it feels like quite a familiar phrase maybe to some of us, it does to me anyway. Um, if I'm really honest, it's probably not something I like often really, really think about or I'm super practical about. Um, And so when I was asked to speak on this topic, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to give it quite a lot of time and thought. Um, And I don't know what what you guys think about, what springs to mind when when you hear that phrase, renewing your mind. But um, hopefully this evening we can go on a little journey together. And um, I'm hoping that we can get a bit practical on how we can do that, thinking about how we can practically renew our minds. Our minds are really, really interesting places. Um, they're like the places where we, where we think and reason and perceive and will and have ideas and create and feel. So they're pretty important. And um, this week, as I've been preparing, I've been thinking a lot about the mind and what it does and its importance. Um, and as I've been preparing, I got like slightly sidetracked and got really interested in like researching about the brain and the mind and I've gone down various rabbit warrens and at one stage I knew it had gone too far when I was reading like a whole article by this neuroscientist on like the mind and its functions and I'm quite weird and into all that stuff and and one of the things I found really interesting looking into is like the relationship between the mind and the brain And obviously, we sometimes use the two, the mind and the brain, slightly interchangeably. Or at the very least, they're sort of kind of similar things. They're heavily associated with one another. But actually, in in reading this article, I realized that they're incredibly different. um, And they do very different things. And to put it really, really simply, the brain is like an actual thing like it's made up of nerves and cells and it, it can be touched it's physical it like weighs something it has a mass and um I was speaking to my friend just this week on I bumped into him in the office and um he recently has had brain surgery and he was saying like I, I asked him a little bit about it because I've become a bit obsessed with it recently and he was telling me about how he was awake for brain surgery for five hours Um, So that's the brain, a physical thing, you could touch it, but the mind can't be touched, it's not like a physical thing. Um, And therefore it can sometimes be slightly harder to explain or think about um, or understand. But when you just stop and think about that for a second, it is pretty crazy, isn't it? The brain and the mind are really, really, really complex things. And I read somewhere that we have, it says this actually, this quote from the neuroscientist I mentioned, that the mind is made up of trillions and trillions of thoughts. A thought is a real physical thing that occupies mental real estate in our brain, which I thought was really interesting, literally blew my mind. And um, all that's to say, I'm not going to go into a science lesson right now, um, that the mind is a really, really beautiful and complex thing. 
and it's an incredibly powerful place. And I don't know if that excites you or maybe, I don't know, intimidates you tonight, but it's that mind that we're going to take a little look at today. My mind, your, mi your minds, um, which are all, by the way, uniquely designed by God. And it's those minds, it's our minds that he wants to renew. So we're going to read a passage. Um, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to get them out. We're going to look at um, Romans 12, verses 1 to 3. And this is probably quite a familiar passage to lots of you. So let me read it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. That's Romans 12. And some context for you. This is Paul talking to the Romans. It's his letter to the Romans. And in this chapter, Paul is explaining to the Romans how to live out the will of God in their lives. He's like strongly urging the Romans to change their minds to be more like God. Because Paul knew that God wanted to do something in these people, but for that to happen, they couldn't keep thinking in that old way. So he's urging them to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Now, I probably, like lots of you, have read this passage many times, and I don't think until this last, these last couple of weeks I've properly slowed down to think about and digest what that might mean. Um, and so I'm hoping for a second we can do that together and just slow down and think about what that might mean. So what does being transformed by the renewing of our minds look like? Let's pretend it's us that Paul is speaking to uh, in this passage that I've just read. So in this passage, he's presenting like two main instructions. Firstly, do not be conformed. And secondly, but be transformed. So there are two instructions, two like passive things happening to us that are a result of actions and pursuits. So the first one, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, I think is kind of simple. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this bit, but I think he's sort of saying, you know, if you go after the things of this world, if they're your priority, if they're your focus and your goals and your aims, then they will conform you. You'll be conformed by those things. He says that, you know, if you're pursuing those things, if you're putting them first, if you're pursuing the things of this world, if you're happy for the world to mold you, then it will. It will conform you. And like when we talk about the world, um, take, you know, you'll probably think different things about this. And I genuinely don't think Paul's like telling us here to like walk around in sackcloth and not engage with anyone outside of the walls of the church. I actually think the opposite. I, you know, I'm on social media and have Netflix and I love a shop and I digest the news and I love a novel, all that stuff I'm, I'm totally there for. But if you're anything like me, you probably are aware that there is a bit of a balance as well. Like there's this tipping point somewhere where like before we know it, we can like end up being owned by that stuff. I don't know if that feels like a familiar feeling to some of you, but we can become quite quickly really caught up and obsessed with some of that stuff where we're just like, I don't know, on social media, just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling endlessly and often obsessively. And I find that there is this very, very faint, very thin line that we can easily walk over where suddenly that stuff is like consuming us. And it's like conforming us, it's ruling us, it has power over us. But Paul in this passage, he presents us with another way. He says, or you can be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. And so we can see here that 
transformation is like uh, a byproduct of renewal. Paul is saying that when our minds are renewed, when they're purified and sanctified and when they're transformed by the word of God and the will of God, then our lives will be transformed as a result. Um, I am no theologian, FYI, sorry to disappoint. Um, but I was reading up on this passage and reading up a little bit around this, this word transform. And I read that, that the specific um, use of this word that Paul uses in this context, transformed, um, is used in another context in the Gospels. And it's the part um, on the mountain of transfiguration. You can read about it in Matthew and one other Gospel, I think, which is the bit where Jesus goes up with a couple of his mates um, up a mountain and like bright clouds envelop him and this like booming voice comes down on him saying, this is my son who I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And we're told in the account in Matthew that Jesus, is, Jesus shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And I thought that was really amazing that the same use of the word transformation that Paul's just told us about is like, voice booming from the clouds, enveloping Jesus, and like saying that's that amazing, that amazing picture where Jesus shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. That's the same use of the word transformation. That's what Paul's getting at here. We can either be conformed or we can be transformed. And I would quite like to be transformed. And if you want to be transformed, the key to transformation is renewal. It's a renewed mind because, as I just said, transformation is a byproduct of renewal. Now, I can tell you in my very limited scientific knowledge that um, your mind leads, your mind goes first, and then your body follows. So let's use my phone. Um, before I even pick up this phone, before I've even like reached my hand out to pick up my phone, a load of like signals and messages have gone like gone on all up here and they're going down all the way through my nerves and through to my hands. So like so much stuff has gone on before I even like pick up my phone physically because our mind leads and our body follows. At work, I sit next to a recovering alcoholic. He is totally amazing and he has been sober this year for 15 years. We just had a little celebration. And he is amazing, and he's just an amazing testimony of God's goodness. And um, he often reminds me that his journey to sobriety is not a journey like of the flesh, that it's one of the mind, it's one of God's totally renewing his mind. And he tells me often <laughs> that if it was down to the flesh, if it was down to like his bodily strength and his bodily restraint, that he totally wouldn't be alive anymore. And he puts it all down to the renewing of his mind. He talks about how God has totally come in and transformed and renewed his mind. And therefore, he's able to like filter these fleeting thoughts and these like physical urges. And that is why he's still sober and alive today. You see, the mind is like the operation center of our whole body, of our lives. And um, so when our mind is transformed, then our lives as a result become transformed, as does our walk with Jesus. So it starts up here with our thinking and our belief system and the way we evaluate and make sense of the world. And then it all trickles down into the way we live, into the way we walk, into our actions and our, and our relationships and our behavior. Paul goes on in verse three um, to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Because the more our minds are renewed and transformed, the more easily we'll be able to recognize the will of God in our lives. 
Who wants to know what the will of God in their life is? I do. I think about it most days. <laughs> I pray about it quite a lot. It's something that I'm praying about a lot at the moment. Like, God, what is my, like, what's my calling? What, I being, what am I being called to? What am I doing? Like, am I in the right job? Are we in the right house? Do we have another child? Like, I think about the will of God in my life an awful lot. I want to know what his will is for me. And I love that this passage, that verse I just read in verse three just then, reminds me that his will for me, his will for you is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. But my ability to walk in the will of God and discern the will of God is dependent on the renewal of my mind. It's dependent on how much I've allowed like the word of God and his voice to renew my mind and transform my way of thinking. So if my mind is in tune with the word of God, if it's familiar with the voice of God and knows the character of God, it is then that I'll be able to walk in the will of God and recognize what his will is for me. So getting practical, let's think about how we do it. How do we have renewed minds? I've come up with a few really basic hacks, as I said, I'm no theologian, that I feel like the Lord has spoken to me about over the last few weeks, but there might be more, and feel free to go away thinking about what they could be for you. The first one sounds really basic, but it's about the Word of God. We have the Word of God at our fingertips. Music, podcasts, we can read the Bible, we can have the Bible being read to us, which is something I quite like to do whilst I'm driving. It doesn't really matter how we do it, but we just need to do it. For our minds to be renewed, we have to stay in the Word of God and under the Word of God. And we do have a choice. It's a choice, isn't it? It's sometimes a really difficult choice to make. I acknowledge that. I really struggle. But we have this choice of like what we put in front of our eyes, what we listen to, what we put in our ears. And in the way that some people drink, like a detox drink to detox their bodies. In the same way, when you, like, when you read the word of God, when you absorb the word of God, it's like bringing all the good stuff in and pushing the bad stuff out. If we want to know the will of God, we have to know his way. We have to know God's word. And being honest, I can sometimes be really guilty of being way more interested in knowing what the will of God is before I've got to know his way. But if I want to know God's will, I have to know his way. And how do we know his way? We speak with him, we walk with him, we talk with him, we read his word. And then when we're trying to discern his will, it's just a little bit easier. When we've got choices and decisions to make, we can put them literally under like the lens of his word. I was praying about this earlier and I just felt like I had this picture of this magnifying glass that sometimes that's what his word enables us to do. We can put things under the lens of his word. Whether we're, you know, whatever it is we're seeking to discern, choices or decisions we've got to make, we can put them under the lens of his word like it's a magnifying glass. And just going back to verse three again, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it's a bit like in tests and exams. Um, I'm really aware that it's exam season at the moment. And I don't know if we've got any teachers or students here, but if we do, keep going, you're almost there. Um, what was I saying? When you have tests or exams, you revise, don't you? Because you know that the better, you will do better the more you know. And that's why you revise, that's why you practice. I was like the keenest student in the world. Loved my highlighters and my ring binders and all of that stuff. But the more you know, the more confident you are, the more answers you'll get right, the better you'll do. It's quite simple. 
And it's a little bit like that here as well. Like this transformation comes little by little. The more we know him, the more we know his word, the more we walk in step with him, the more we're able to discern his will for our lives. And that will, as I just said, it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. So that's the first tip on how to renew your mind. It's the living word of God. Secondly, think about what you're feeding your mind. Um, I don't know if you've heard that phrase, what goes in comes out. I think about it a lot when I'm changing my daughter Matilda's nappy. She's one and a half. <laughs> when I've rushed home from work and collected her at 5.30 and she always does a poo bang on the door at 6 p.m. <laughs> um, and sometimes, sorry, this is really graphic, you can literally see what she's had for lunch. Like, sometimes things literally come out whole. Raisins, sweet corn, some of you might know the trail. <laughs> I can literally see what she's had for lunch. But what goes in comes out. And I genuinely, genuinely believe this to be true when it comes to the mind. Like I said, your mind leads and your body follows. What goes in comes out. And so we genuinely do need to watch what we're feeding our minds with. Is it good? Is it edifying? Is it pure? Is it helpful? Is quite a good question. If it's not, just think about, is this the type of thing that you want to be feeding yourself with? And if you aren't catching with those questions, that stuff on the way in, watch it on the way out because it's got to go somewhere and it comes out eventually. Is your language suddenly out of control? This is a big one for me. Have you suddenly become like really hard-hearted and lost all sense of compassion? That's like the first thing to go for me. Do you have a short fuse? Maybe it comes out in your driving and you have like extreme road rage. Another one for me, guilty. <laughs> it will look different for all of us, but think about that. What goes in has to come out. And sometimes if you don't see it going in, you'll see it coming out. We have a son as well. I won't give you graphic stories about his bowel movements. Uh, he's almost five. He'd want me to tell you. He's actually four. And um, he uh, recently, about six months ago, he suddenly just became really violent and aggressive. And um, he was saying things like, I'm going to laser beam your eyeballs out, <laughs> like super slash your arms off. And I was thinking, I literally don't know where this stuff is coming from. So I went to nursery and asked them. And they were like, I don't think it's anything to do with us. And um, I suddenly was like, it's probably something he's watching. And um, normally we would use TV to like, we don't sit down and watch TV with him. Like we put it on so we can get stuff done. And so I wasn't really sure exactly which program it was. So I started trying to filter through some of the programs with him. Anyway, I worked out it was something called Mini Force. And um, we, Netflix has this amazing function where you can like just get rid of it on a child's profile, you can just uh, delete it. And obviously, like the wise parents we are, we told him that Netflix had magically deleted it and other episodes of things he was watching that weren't particularly edifying. And over time, we felt like we watched his behavior like start to get a little bit better and his language get a little bit better. And honestly, I felt like that is the best example I could give you of what goes in comes out. And we, we knew we could do something to change it, so we did it. It's worth thinking about that stuff, you know. And it might be a little less trivial than that. But think about what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're reading to, what you're reading. And this is the goal in Philippians 4. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put these into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And there it is, the model that I just spoke you through. It's a pretty basic model. Right there in Philippians, what goes in, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, blah, 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 blah. And then it goes out, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Um, our son, same son, Jack, is totally obsessed with soul kids. Rosie and B. Barlow are like his heroes at the moment. If he sees them out of church context, he's like nudging me being like, that's, <laughs> that's the guess. And um, one of the things they do over the road in the morning services at Soul Kids is that they do a session like every week. They don't compromise on it, but they do soaking. I don't know why I'm doing this. They actually do soaking and they get the kids to all lie down on the carpet and listen to a worship song. And then they all sit back up and say if they heard something um, from God. And it's amazing. And often the kids do hear something and it's really beautiful to see. Anyway, the other night I was putting him to bed. And um, he said, Mommy, can I... He always listens to songs when he goes to bed because he takes flipping ages to get to bed. He's probably still awake now. And he'd been listening to Lion King for like two weeks on repeat. And I was like, we need to get you on something else. And these are the songs he goes to bed listening to. He knows the whole Lion King soundtrack off by heart, obviously. And... Um, he was like, can I listen to the sleeping song? And I was like, the sleeping song? And he said, yeah, the sleeping song that they do at Soul Kids. And I was like, what? And so he started to sing, bless his little heart, Waymaker. And I was like, oh, do you mean the soaking song? And he was like, yeah, the soaking song. He called it the sleeping song. And for the last, I reckon, 10 nights, he's gone to bed listening to that song on repeat. And I love the fact, hopefully this will counteract all the awful work we did with Netflix and Mini Force. <laughs> I love that those words are going into his mind and into his head and into his body as he sleeps. And my prayer is that they come out as well and that he starts to live out some of those words. So that's the second tip on how you can um, go about renewing your minds. What goes in comes out. What are you feeding yourself? The third one is a bit of a cop-out. I didn't really know what to call it. I called it Take It Seriously. And I know, um, yeah, as I said, it sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but I think it's really true. Like, this is a really important activity. Um, renewing our minds is not, like, it's not even a one-time thing. It's something we need to do daily, continually. It's not even just a nice phrase that we use inside of the walls of the church. It's not even just like a bolt-on, like it's something that brings us life. It brings us to life. And as I said at the beginning, our minds are incredibly powerful, beautiful, complex things, and they're very, very important places. And one of the ways I know they're important is because we're told in Scripture that we need to guard them and protect them. It says in Philippians, the peace of God which guards your hearts and your minds. And you see, we guard and protect that which is important and that which is precious. So that's why we need to take it seriously. And I also find it really interesting how Paul starts this passage. And if we skip right back to verse one again, he's talking about our bodies being a living sacrifice. He's urging us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And so before we're even told to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we're told to present our bodies as a living sacrifice first. And it's like there's this instruction from Paul to us that is like an instruction for us to be all in, to be like dedicated, to take this thing seriously. 
And this act of being a living sacrifice, it's not one out of like obligation. We're not asked to be, to be doing it out of obligation, but it's a part of our worship to him. And so there's just some thoughts on how, how we can practically do it, like take it seriously. And then finally, and this is just a brief one, but as I just referenced, like it's an ongoing process. So I guess the final point is like, keep going, keep doing it, keep practically engaging with it. Renewing our minds is not like a one-time event. It's a lifetime process. Think about the type of things you renew in your life. Um, we renew um, like our Netflix accounts maybe annually, or like I've just renewed my phone contract and got an absolutely awful deal, or like library memberships, passports, driving license, your ASOS premier delivery service, which is a very important annual renewal. But renewing is literally like, the whole point of it is that it's like making something new, it's a continual process. And it's a continual process in this context too that we've just read about in Romans 12. It's actually a lifetime process, a daily process even. And when you think about the things that we go about in life um, renewing, we're generally looking for an upgrade. Like the reason why I feel like I've so, been so fobbed off with my phone contract is because I've done worse, but I wanted an upgrade. I was looking for an upgrade. I have in my diary on the 11th of July to call Virgin Media. We really lame and we put all this stuff in our diary so I can try and convince them into giving us a better deal before they just like auto push us onto like a more expensive plan but I'm looking for a better deal I'm looking for an upgrade that's what we want when we're thinking about renewing stuff and it's actually it's like the same thing in this context like as we renew our minds as we come to the Lord he's exchanging the old with the new he's offering us like a free upgrade when you're renewing your mind, you're exchanging your thoughts for God's thoughts, your ways for his ways, your agenda for his agenda, your timing for his timing. And yes, it's a lengthy and sometimes repetitive process. It can be really, really tiresome. And it can sometimes feel like treading water, I'd describe it. But just like anything worth investing in, any process, it takes time, but goodness me, it's worth it because transformation is on the other side. Being transformed is always worth it. And so there are just some practical tips on how we can go about renewing our minds. Word of God, think about what you're feeding it, what goes in comes out. Take it seriously, like be all in, as Paul encourages us to be, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice and keep on doing it, keep on going. It's an ongoing process. And just as I close, um, I know I've said this lots of times, but renewing literally means to make like new. And God, we know, is in the process of making things new. He's bringing life from death. He's bringing dry bones to life. He makes broken things whole. And he brings springs of water out of barren wastelands. He's making all things new. And that's what all of this is about, really. Renewing our minds. It's a life-bringing process, and it does bring about the most beautiful transformation. Do not be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Amen.